Okay, welcome back to the Tuesday episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Gavin and Russ coming at you today. Hello, Gavin. Hello. Great to be seen. I would say it's great to see you. It's I don't great wanna, to be seen. I don't want to overstate It's this. great to be seen if you're on the radio, on, on the podcast. Right. We, we both have said we've got faces for, for the radio. So today, uh, we started our conversation yesterday about, uh, the crea- you know, about the creation account and all of that. And I just want to kick the can down the road just a little bit further. I want to reread the same passage. <clears throat> and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick us off in prayer and, and let you read uh, the passage this time. Can you handle that? If I finish this Ricola, what is it? Uh, you won't finish it in time to read. Yeah. All right. You might have to read then. So, um, again, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, I'm going to pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for your word. And, uh, Lord, that uh, it, it knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And, Lord, today as we discuss your word, uh, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just guide us in truth in a way that... Uh, uh, brings about clarity for us and understanding and a, so that we may glorify you and serve you because you are God and there is no other. There's no other like you. And so, Father, we just want to praise you and glorify you with everything that we do. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Are you reading? You, you should read. You, you should read. All right. Well, let's do that again. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. One of the things contained in uh, in these three verses is um, that that God spoke. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 3, then God, or yeah, verse three. Then God said, and and so we see here this, this this idea. Uh, it's called ex nihilo, and it means from nothing. I believe that's Latin, from nothing. And the idea is that God literally spoke from nothing. Again, there was no, you know, uh, God exists outside of time, space, and matter, and He spoke, and things happened. When he spoke, and one of the thing, one of the fascinating connections that that uh, I see here is uh, God speaking here in Genesis, and then later in Scripture uh, we learn that God spoke or inspired the His Word, and uh, and so to me it's just amazing how the two forms of revelation that we have natural revelation. And then uh, the revelation of God's word happened by God speaking. I just love that. Yeah, well, and I like how John 1.1 1, 1, in the beginning. So you have Genesis 1.1 1, 1 in the beginning, yeah. uh, John 1.1 1, 1 in the beginning, and guess what's a part of both of those processes, the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And uh, in the beginning in, in Genesis 1.3, God spoke, and he said, you know, so the word is with God. In the beginning, and his spirit is hovering over the water. His word is being proclaimed. Yeah, it, it, it it's it is the recapitulation of the gospel over and over and over again 
so that uh, that we see Christ clearly in the pages of Scripture from Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1 uh, until Revelation. Well, you see Jesus. And, and by the way, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus makes sure that we understand that all of the Old Testament was about him. And we see him everywhere. All right. Yeah, so I, I'm just looking down through um, Genesis 1 here in, in my handy-dandy uh, New King James Bible that I tend to preach from. I don't mark a lot in this Bible, but I haven't marked this one up. And so, listener, I think I mentioned uh, yesterday kind of considering the, the uh, pattern that I, I referred to. Uh, and, and here's your pattern. And it begins in verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. Well, that pattern ends in verse 5, or the end of that pattern. Uh, in verse 5 says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And that day there again is the word yom. And Gavin and I both understand that word to traditionally be used as a 24-hour period. And traditionally, so, but also in, in our minds, right? In your mind, yeah. it's a 24-hour period. Yeah, I would absolutely okay. affirm that, uh, uh, agree, affirm that for me, uh, from verse 3 to the end of verse 5 is a 24-hour period. And here's where I get that. Because then when you get to verse 6... Then God said, it's exactly the, it's the, the, the frame, uh, the pattern of language that we see in the first day with verse three, then God said. So in verse six, then God said, let there be firmament. And so it goes through that. And how does it end? Well, in verse eight, it says, and God called the firmament heaven. And so the evening and the morning were the second day, yom, 24 hours. So I see 24 hours, verse three to five. 24 hours, day two, uh, verse six to eight. And here we have the pattern, verse nine, then God said, and we, and, and we learn about the water and all this. And how does it end? Well, it ends in verse 10. And God called the dry land earth and, and gathering together the waters. He called the seas and God saw that it was good. And, and so uh, he, he, it, it seems to carry over. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Once you have water, it stands to reason you would have grass. Uh, and so apparently, and so verse 13, so the evening and the morning were the third day. And so it looks like day, uh, three is a little bit different because you have the, then God said pattern that begins in nine that also happens in verse 11. So he's creating a little more here. It looks like on day three, but it ends exactly the same. You have the same exact pattern, uh, with Yom and it picks right back up on day four. Then God said, that's where we have the lights. And, it, uh, and, and here again, it ends on verse 19 with the same pattern. So the evening and the morning, there were the fourth day. And this goes on for, for all of these days. Okay, so why is the rhythm important? Well, words matter. Okay. God's word matters supremely. And he has chosen to lay this, this, uh, this pattern out specifically. He's saying something very specific. There's a lot of, of things being said in these in this in the in, in this creation narrative, but it just seems to me that the the pattern is not a coincidence. Okay. That day one ends the same way as day two and three and four and five and six, and it begins the same way as you know day two, three, four, five, and six. 
And uh, I, to me, that's just an unmistakable pattern. And I, I think that's where I'm perfectly comfortable with saying, okay, so something different is taking place in verses one and two than what's taking place afterwards. And that's where I'm comfortable saying is a gap. Now, I reserve the right to be wrong. I have absolutely no problem with the idea that it's a, a, uh, a young earth, except that I haven't heard any compelling arguments for how verses 1 and 2 are different from the rest of the pattern of the creation narrative. Yeah, I just don't think there's necessarily a time frame. So, so if you say, okay, on the, uh, you know, there's, there's this creation and then immediately God is shaping and fashioning and forming, there's nothing that indicates to me that he delayed. Um, and so, yeah, again, there, there's an allowance that you can be well within orthodoxy. I, I try to set those boundaries up with the congregation. If you believe this, you are outside of orthodoxy. You, you are not a Christian if you believe whatever right. that, that, that theory is, that idea is. Both of these are well within orthodoxy. In fact, there are, others, there are other theories and ideas about creation that would fall within orthodoxy. And then you get into places where if you believe that, uh, you know, um, you're outside of orthodoxy. So if you believe in... Um, just evolution from an amoeba, you really have a problem with an Adam and Eve. And if you don't believe there is a singular Adam and Eve, the federal headship of, of Adam, you, you will really struggle when you say, okay, how does God, re, how does Jesus redeem people if there is no singular, singular person to redeem, you know, singular uh, uh, family to redeem in his blood? You, you struggle. So, so there are things that'll put you outside of orthodoxy um, in, in creation. And, but, but gap theory is not one of them. Yeah. Young earth theory, not one of them. Yeah. Well, um, that's good to know. Yeah, I think also that that God is a God of order is an important thing that is communicated in these first few verses. There is a rhythm that we see in the seasons. There is a rhythm that we see in day and night. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm just talking naturally, and by naturally I mean according to God's creation, that is a natural occurrence that things happen in rhythms and waves, and 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 God is a God of order. It makes sense. Uh, I don't know if if you've ever done a study. I couldn't recite or recall anything that that I that I read in these studies, but the precision of the earth, the tilt of the axis, the, the revolution. Oh, it's all unbelievable. That. It's so very specific. Yeah. It is not a chaotic earth. It is a very specific and precise earth that allows life to exist. Yeah, if we were just a fraction of a right. degree off, you know, it would be unhabitable. Uh, God is precise, and yeah. and you start reading some of these what what some people consider very boring passages of Scripture in Leviticus or something about the way that the, the – temple worship took place or the temple was set up and established and you go, Oh, God is precise. And everything is, you said, every, every word is meaningful. Words have meaning. And, and especially and particularly God's words are, are valuable and meaningful. And so these words are communicating a rhythm and God operates very precisely, specifically, and with a rhythm and pattern and not chaotically. Yeah. And so I just look at, at verses two, one and two is sort of a, um, a preamble. An indeterminate period of time that serves sort of as a preamble to the creation narrative, if you will. That's, that's kind of how I uh, justify things in my mind in this account that, you know, there's something going on there. Uh, what exactly? I don't know. Uh, you know, again, we, we talked yesterday about how, you know, could God have created a, an old lo looking earth? Yes, absolutely. He has the ability to do that. I'm not sure that's what he did. 
well, I'm not sure we know we do know for sure that Adam and Eve were created with age, right? I don't think there's anybody I've never they heard weren't any, infants. They weren't infants. I've never heard anybody try to to mm-hmm. make that that No, in fact, the only case. argument uh, the the only case I've heard um, was or I guess the question was posed, you know, was he one was Adam a, a real person, you know, and then the other argument was, oh yeah, I've heard you that. know, the herd, you know, was it did he did he create a community when God created humans? Did he create humans plural, uh, you know, and and so for some of the justification that that theologians have that do this. By the way, not all theologians are godly. They've just studied God. That doesn't make them Christian. It makes them educated, uh, and I know some educated fools. And sometimes I act like one of professing those. themselves to be wise. They became fools, right? Yeah, and so one the of the reasons of the incorruptible God. One of the reasons I think that that, that people have in their mind that, that that God created a a a clan of people that He just labeled Adam is because it helps them understand why we end up with it within just a, a couple of chapters, uh, maybe four chapters, how we end up with so many people on Earth. And I think they're 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 just trying to wrestle with the text, and they've come up with an explanation that I don't think God is is uh, is saying when he when it says he created Adam. And what they're what they're coming up with is that it's actually a group of people. And we want to say so we land clearly that that is that is not the case. That is, in in my opinion, that is not at all the case. So so again, I would think that would borderline on okay. You you make a a group of people. How do you if there's not a federal headship of one man over creation? How does Christ redeem? You know, so so somebody talks about UFOs and aliens, and they go, "Do you believe in aliens?" I don't. I I, I have no time even to think about that. I don't care. I don't. I really do not care at all if they're aliens. But the the substitutionary work that Jesus did on the cross for mankind was that He came and He dwelt among us, and He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. He was man. He took on flesh. He became like His brothers, the firstborn among many brothers. He He lived the life we were called to live, and He died the death that we deserved. He was very much a man, right? And He redeemed for Himself a peoples, a, a royal priesthood that is humanity. I think you have to have the point Adam and the point the second the the final Adam. You have to have those two points in order to see, um, uh, in order for redemption to be efficacious for everyone that would believe. I think I, I don't think you can have a community with one sinner. That, you know, unless you, unless you're saying that that Adam just merely marks a community and all of them sin, sin simultaneously. That is not what is communicated in Scripture to me. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you uh, on that, and I'm a little surprised you don't believe in aliens. <laughs> well. I mean, Other than the fact that I am an alien from England, well, I mean, I'm a, a foreigner. So you're the you're the one in the story that you've told me several times. Where when you got off the, or maybe it was your dad got off the boat. And no, I got off the boat. Said I, uh, we don't want you people here. No, that's John Stewart. That's no, that's I think his it was account. You probably. No, no, no. no. For me, for me, I did come over on the boat from England. So, so one of the things that I find very fascinating, I, I mentioned to Gavin before we came on um, this week talking about Genesis and creation, uh, is the, uh, the comparison. Uh, I just want to, as you kind of scan through this, you'll see what I'm saying. 
there is, we tend to read through the creation narrative and we see day one, day two, day three, so on and so forth. But I, I just want you to hear the comparison because I think this is very fascinating to me. So in the first three days, we have kind of a forming and a separating. In day one, you have the light being separated, deformed, and being separated from darkness. In day two, you have the water from the sky. In day three, you have the water being separated from dry land. So that's day one, two, and three. Well, then in beginning day four, you have a filling and a void. So day four compares very much with day one. Day one was light from darkness. Well, day four is light to govern the day and night. Then day two, you have water from sky. Well, day five, you have sea animals and birds. So they're feeling what was created on day two. And day three, you have the water being separated from dry land. And day six, you have land animals and humans. So it's just to me, again, you know, God's word um, is, is a fascinating thing to, to behold and to read and to handle. And we want to do those things well and with care and give thought to these things. Maybe you've never given thought to these things. Maybe you don't care about these things. Uh, but I, I, I think that when God makes certain choices, whether it's choices in this creation narrative or choices of words, I think it's important for us as believers to to notice as much of those choices as we can and to try to understand, you know, God is doing something here and he's telling us something here and we haven't gotten there yet, but I, I am wanting to draw your attention to the forming and the filling uh, that well, he has going on there. Why? I love this. Why? Well, I, I think he's, he's showing us his sovereignty. He's showing us his order uh, to these things, the uh, rhythm that is natural, right? Yeah. So, so he goes. So he goes. Uh, I think I've heard it said before. I go to prepare a place for you, right? He prepares. He, he forms it first. He prepares a place for us that where I am, you may be also, right? So, so uh, um, I, I, that's John fourteen. He's going to prepare a place for you, uh, and, and and so the, and the, and by the way, there's a lake of fire prepared. Yeah. So, so he's preparing a place and then they will be filled. That's the pattern. And so are you, are you preparing to fill the, the, you know, the place of many mansions or many rooms in his father's house? There is, there are many rooms or there are many mansions. Are you going to fill that place? Isn't, yeah, that, isn't that neat? That forming, he yeah. goes to prepare and yeah. form and then he's going to fill it. It will be filled. And then another part of the pattern we haven't talked about here. Is, is a pattern that he establishes here in the creation narrative and then commands the pattern of rest. And, and in Jesus, in fact, invites us to rest in him. Right, that final rest and, and, and to rest in him. One of the things that I keep telling people is that one of the reasons we don't long for heaven is we haven't practiced the rest. We haven't practiced longing for that rest. Yeah. When we were younger, we would long for the weekends. Now we're older, we we don't long. We don't set a day aside to long for. We don't set aside a special day, a day of rest, a day to think about God, so that we practice longing for heaven. And then we wonder why this earth, this life, has become the new heaven. And everybody says, you know, oh, I'm not afraid of heaven. I just don't want to go now. You don't understand it. Then Paul yeah. says, he, yeah. Paul says, you know, I'd rather depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But if I'm going to be here, it's to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. 
So, so again, because we have not practiced this, this pattern that is laid out in Genesis 1, we don't long for heaven. We don't long for that rest. Yeah. And we can look around us and go, yeah, this world's fallen, but it's better than the alternative because we, and I don't mean that. I mean, the alternative is better, but, but it, 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 it distorts our understanding of why we're here. We think we're here for us because this is the best place. No, Paul reminds us again in, in uh, second Corinthians five, when he says he would rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord, like that's the better place, but there's work to be done. There's good work. There's this, this is good stuff to do here, but, but we have not practiced the Sabbath well enough. And there are many reasons to practice the Sabbath, which you will explain tomorrow, right? We'll or later. There. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, by the way, I, I meant to I meant to kind of give you a hard time for missing a meeting that, that took place yesterday. But uh, Oh, boy. Yeah. Shame on you. Uh, one of the questions that was asked that was so good, and, and you don't have to answer this question. I just want you to give a thought to, to this question. But listener, this question is for you, but from a different perspective. So I'm asking Gavin as a pastor, because as a pastor – uh, we oftentimes are really, really bad about taking time off. Um, I'm talking about legitimately time off, unplugging and taking time off. And so you as a listener, your, your role, uh, if you're not a pastor, your role is, is, is not less important. It's just different. And so this question is different for you than it is for Gavin. For Gavin, the question that was asked yesterday was, when is the next time you're going to take a Sunday off? You don't have to answer that. Uh, but, but listener, think about this. When's the next time, if you're married and have children or whatever your responsibilities are, when have you planned to invest in your relationship with the Lord away from work when have you planned to invest in the relationships you have with your family, with your children, your spouse? And if you can't come up with a good answer to that question, then you need to think about that question a little harder. And if you haven't set aside time in the future to get alone with God and, and to just spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, um, Man, you, you know, really just think about that and make those plans. So I want to add a little weight to that, and I want to explain that I'm speaking more to myself uh, than I am to any listener, but I, I want to I say it with some severity. Um, I used to talk about, well, I haven't had a day off in X amount of days, and with great pride and sometimes with some lamentation, oh, you know, woe is me, but, but w- with pride. And most men that I know say, oh, I work too hard. I don't need a day off or I don't take days off or, you know, oh, I, I haven't had a day off in three years. And, and I, I think many men drift towards, you know, because that can be one of our idols. Work can be an idol. Absolutely. And I think um, that many men can drift towards celebrating that idol and going, you know, that's great or that's hard work or, hey, we do what we have to do to provide. Um, it, it is a neglect of the spiritual for the financial or, or for, you know, I I don't want to make it just financial for, for the material at least. Um, but I've said this, I used to be impressed with people that hadn't taken a day off in three weeks, seven weeks, 90 days, two years, five years ever. (laughs) 
Now I just think you're disobedient. Mm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Now you're just disobedient. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is probably an opportunity to uh, hit pause uh, for today. Yep. Can we turn them back to the cross though? Because listen, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't want to leave you with this. What do I do with this? I haven't taken a day off in five years. Just confess and, and just trust that you have been washed. The, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. You have been washed. But turn to the cross and, and then set aside some day of, days of rest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, keep opening your Bible. Keep wrestling with these things. Study to show yourself uh, approved. And uh, you, will, you will be greatly blessed. Look forward to catching back up with you tomorrow. Be blessed.